0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Houston Exercise Science, a podcast where we talk about exercise as long as it is scientifically backed. Now I am getting these episodes out a lot more frequent as I wanted to do, and I talked about last episode, and so here I am uh, trying to get it out once a week again like I did before, and um, hopefully that continues to be the case. But as always, thank you for listening. We are definitely, you know, marching along with a lot of information that I try to get to you guys in a timely manner now, and we're going to get pretty much right into it, as I always do. And thank you for listening. So uh, let's get into it. Today's episode is going to be about flexibility, which is something that a lot of people may not work on or care about. Some people just want to lift or run and not worry about anything that has to do with flexibility, which is cool. Although flexibility flexibility blah, does help you uh, avoid injury by being more flexible. If uh, your joint goes a weird way, than it usually does. You're flexible and you won't get injured. So I like to cover this. I like to work on it. I should be working on it a lot more myself. So I'm sometimes guilty with not Really focusing on it, but let's uh, talk about it because there's some pretty cool information. I see that my listeners like to know what's going on within the body as we do certain exercises or certain training that we do. And so I'm going to go back to that because that seems to be very popular for my listeners. So I hear you. I'm listening to you with your listens and how many listens I get. Different episodes are more popular than the others. So. Let's talk about what goes on in the body, even during flexibility. So what is flexibility? Uh, The basic definition is the ability of a joint or a series of joints to move through an unrestricted pain-free range of motion. Um, And that is true, uh, pain-free being a big part of that. If you are in pain, obviously there's something going on, you have some sort of injury, a strain something like that, that is uh, inhibiting you to go through that range of motion successfully. All right. So in flexibility, one of the things that is frequently asked is, does range of motion increase for older adults? Not just, uh, you know, the normal age range, but for older adults. And does resistance training and cardiorespiratory training decrease that range of motion? Does it mess them up more than it helps them? Well, the answer is it does actually help with their flexibility. And that can be said for all of us. When you're doing resistance training or cardio, you're putting your body in certain ranges of motion that doesn't happen normally in normal life so if you think about it like whenever you're doing let's say chest flies and your arms are way out there and you know you're doing chest flies um, you're doing a bit of a stretch right you should feel it too usually people do um, when you're doing squats you're actually stretching that hip joint going you know 90 degrees some people go past and that will increase your flexibility now, you may be saying, okay, well, then why should I really stretch then if the workout does it itself? Well, it's still good to work specifically on flexibility, which I'm going to go over the um, the exercise programming of flexibility and what that looks like. But for now, um, that's a question that's pretty common for people, not just older adults, but um, anybody is does does my training actually decrease that of course you're going to have those extreme cases like big huge bodybuilder guys that can't scratch their back anymore and they have so much muscle but we're talking about n- not extreme cases but normal people not on steroids so yes yeah, so it does actually help with your flexibility for sure Um and that's that's a great thing So, um, so yeah, now the cardiorespiratory fitness does help with your hip flexion and extension flexibility, because that's what like running works on. And it does lead me to my next point, which is a range of motion of one, one joint can, does not predict the range of motion of all the joints. You can be flexible in your shoulders, but not your hips, or vice versa. That's something to take away from that point um, as well. Um, so resistance training and cardiorespiratory or cardiorespiratory exercise, a combination of the two is the greatest way to improve range of motion and flexibility from what you normally have. Um, cardio alone can also uh, improve that modestly, but and same thing with resistance training alone modestly, but together you're going to get that benefit the most. And that could that that's really there's a lot of benefits to combining those two different kinds of training aspects, anyways. So um, let's talk about the basic principles of flexibility. So you have static flexibility, which uh, you use an external force to stretch. With And that would be called static flexibility. And then you have dynamic flexibility, which is using a skeletal muscle uh, with an external force, a voluntary use of that muscle to stretch. Um, and, and that's the two basic classes of flexibility. Um, and so, moving on, there are factors affecting your joint flexibility. Which is like your muscle properties, the viscoelastic properties of muscle tissue. Just how muscle tissue is, it uh, that the the way that it's viscous, it acts as a viscous material and an elastic material at the same time. It um, will affect your flexibility, which changes over your age and everything. Um, Also, like we just said, your physical activity, the level of physical activity and exercise you do will affect how flexible you are, because moving joints through a fuller range of motion during exercise than normal, like daily life, will increase that flexibility. Also, anatomical structures. So, of course, some joints are more free than the other, like a ball and socket joint, like the shoulder, like the hip joint we'll be able to have a full a way bigger range of motion than let's say the elbow because the elbow if you look at look at it anatomically you take away all the stuff and you just look at the bones that make up the elbow joint right you got the you your humerus and everything you'll see that they they lock in place really well and then when they lock in place really well and you fully extend your elbow joint and it stops there. The reason why is because the bones uh, are structured in a way where it actually physically stops there. There's no way unless you break a bone uh, for it to go past that 180 degree angle that you have there. So that's going to affect your flexibility there. There's really no no changing that unless you're double jointed somewhere like that. And of course, age. Um, age, uh, reduction in Collagen solubility will lead to an increase in tendon rigidity and th- therefore a reduction in range of motion. So <clears throat> once you get older, that your joints definitely become more rigid. And that's why we always encourage older adults to continue to exercise, to do some sort of weight bearing exercising, like walking, using maybe little light, lighter weights, you know, try to progressively get stronger still to combatant this decrease in range of motion in the long the long term so you have that as well and then for women we have a little more unique stuff for women so women tend to have a greater range of motion compared to men um, and there's things that affect this like hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle and during pregnancy also affects joint laxity so that will also affect flexibility as well um, you have uh, something called relaxin, which is produced by the ovaries and the placenta, which gives you laxity and more range in motion for women. Now, we did mention relaxin before. And in case you forgot, um, relaxin also affects the ACL, the ACL cells. Um, it actually leads to collagen uh, degre- de- 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 degradation. Blah, I can't even say that. It breaks it down. <laughs> can't talk today. And, uh, it, so it, it really breaks down that, those, the ACL cells. So when there's a lot of knee problems, uh, relaxin, uh, definitely is something that has been found out to be a problem. So relaxin gives you way more flexibility, um, range of motion, all of that stuff, but also may mess with your knees. And there's really nothing you can do about that, uh, at least as of now that, that, uh, has been found out. So, that's the factors that affect joint flexibility. Now, before I get into the types of stretches you can do, which there are tons of different kinds of stretching you can do to, um, to, uh, Increase your flexibility. We're going to get into the programming in a second. Let's talk about what's going on within the muscle because that's something you guys like to hear. I love it too. It's super interesting. You have two different kinds of components within the muscle that, uh, that is activated when you stretch. And the, uh, these two components are basically a safety mechanism that happens. If you're stretching too much, and your body actually tries uh, very hard to to save you, basically, so we have two. Uh, they're called proprioceptors. Okay, there are these receptors within your muscle. They uh, connect definitely with the nervous system. They work together to protect you, right? So you have what's called the Golgi tendon organ, or GTO, and the muscle spindle. And so what they do is they, they work together, these two proprioceptors. And they help, they, they sense stretching and overstretching as well, and they adjust according to that, the stretch that it, that it senses. So you have, um, when, when the muscle stretches, it stretches a little, much um they they work together to protect you so talking about the gto when it's stimulated it causes that muscle that stretching to relax uh to save it so it interrupts the contraction that's occurring with the associated muscle that is uh that the gto is being stum- stimulated with and When it does this, it's protecting you, and it's what we call an autogenic inhibition. That's what that would be called when the GTO is relaxing the muscle, trying to save it from being overstretched and everything like that. Um, And the muscle spindle is much like the GTO, but it does the opposite. It's like a dual response. So... um. What happens is tension is going to develop. And what's going to happen is it's going to be inhibited by the opposite or the antagonist muscles contraction to kind of hold it from, Hey, you're, you're, you're doing too much. I'm going to contract the muscle to help save you. So let's say you're stretching the hamstring and you're going a little too crazy with it. The GTO is going to relax the hamstring. A little bit or or a lot to save it and this muscle spindle is going to contract the opposite the antagonist muscle let's say the quads to pull you back to to make sure you're not going too much or too far depending on the different kind of stretch the the hamstring is so with the opposite muscle let's say a good umbrella term will contract due to the muscle spindle being stimulated to save you from Overstretching and this response is called the stretch reflex or the myotetic reflex. So the GTO, the, the reflex, uh, for the GTO is the autogenic reflex and the muscle spindle is the myotetic reflex. So these both help you with making sure you don't overstretch. Of course, you still can definitely pull a muscle, but this is what's going on within the body to save you. All right. So, um, that's, that's something I wanted to mention before we get into all these different kinds of flexibility stuff that's going on and and everything like that. But yeah, that's really what you're looking at in terms of what is happening within the, the, the muscles. So there, let's go into the, the stretching. You have, Static stretching, right, which we we talked about, static stretching. Um, and there's three different types of static stretching. Um, there's uh, passive, which is when you... It's a slow and constant stretch with a partner is passive. This is one type of stretch. Um, and uh, you have a slow and constant stretch without a partner, which is self-stretching, which is pretty common. And then you have slow and constant stretch, stretch against... A stationary object which is which is an isometric stretch this should be done 15 to 30 seconds for about four reps of it or four times um, and one of the things that you will see is this um, actually I'll mention this later hold on uh, let's get to ballistic stretching uh, so ballistic stretching is like a rapid and bouncing like movement um, and it results in momentum being created, which extends the joint through the full ra- range of motion. You may think of some stretches that do that. Um, uh, you will be using the myotatic re- reflex. Um, it'll be stimulated. All those things I just said about the GTO and the muscle spindle, that's going to be stimulated. And it's going to use those to its advantage to um, to stretch you, pretty much. Um uh, to, and to keep you safe from it, too. <clears throat> so, it's this ballistic stretching is no longer recommended by the ACSM, um, the American College of Sports Medicine, uh, because it does create a high risk of injury. Because you're doing that bouncy and rapid, like, movement, and you're using, and these um mechanisms are being stimulated. These mechanisms are supposed to be, like, when you're going a little too crazy and it's saving you so you know that's the idea behind ballistic stretching but it's no longer recommended because you're it's like you're using the the fail safe like you're going straight to that instead of being safe with it you know so there there's that as well um so there's there's those kind of stretches that you that you have Um, and then you can combine uh stretches together um in order to to get some different kinds of of stretches like you have the hold and relax stretching um and everything like that you have uh stretches that you contract the um the muscle to get some more stretches with it as well so you you can use that the that sort of combination as well so you also have dynamic stretching Which is slow and controlled. It's usually sports specific. You'll see this, uh, but it doesn't always have to be sports specific, um, but you'll see that there. It increases the temperature of the muscle, which is supposed to help with the flexibility to increase the flexibility and relax the muscle a little bit. So warming up and stretching is going to be something you'll see. And the reason is to warm up the body, especially the muscles that are going to be used that day and stretch those muscles. So it'll be easier. It'll feel better to stretch as well. Um, so it, it'll enhance the, the flexibility and the, and actually help with balance as well. Cause everything is stretched. Everything is ready to go. Um, but the re- th- that's what I wanted to mention is that it does increase the muscle, muscle tension and the blood flow as well, which helps with, with all of those, the flexibility. Um, as well. Now with dynamic stretching, there's not really um, a list of movements that's officially been made, at least here in America, that are the best, the most effective. So really, your coach, uh, it, the knowledge and experience that your coach has, that's what who's going to be what it's going to be up to ultimately at the end. Um, but at the end of the day, it's static and Dynamic stretching um, can improve range of motion, but there's no evidence. There's evidence is inconclusive about which technique is the most effective. Either is a static the best or dynamic. And if I had to recommend something, I would say a good combination of both is really the best way to go and, and for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that's what you're going to be looking at doing. So... Let's see. So let's go to the programming. Actually we're we're going on 20 minutes. Okay, yeah, definitely let's move on to the exercise programming or flexibility program rather. Okay, so flexibility. This is evidence-based too, so this has been um this is by the ACSM guidelines, um, which has been made in 2018. So it's a little wild, but not that's pretty recent that this has been uh, made and has been known to work, right? So if you're going to work on flexibility and you want to take a day out of your week of your normal routine to work on flexibility because you were told to, because you're supposed to, and, or I've convinced you to, um, then this is what you need to be doing. So the frequency of flexibility should be about two to three days out of the week. Um, I said, take a day out, but more like two to three. Um, And they do recommend daily being most effective. That's why I usually say to try to throw in a, a stretch routine, maybe before the, the workout. You know, sometimes I do take an entire day dedicated to flexibility. Um, But, you know, if we're going to go by the guidelines daily is what they're talking about with two to three days you know, being about there too. Um, so you're supposed to stretch until you feel tightness or slight discomfort. That's, that should be, um, a given. Don't go too crazy, but you know, you're going to feel the tightness, you know, and everything. Uh, for static stretching, you should hold that for two ten to three seconds. Uh, for most adults that's recommended for older people. Um, it's, it should be holding that for 30 to 60 seconds, um, because that will, give them greater benefits, especially because they have to combat the, um, the thing we talked about, how their, their joints are going to be more rigid because of age-related, normal aging, basically. Um, and for the other kind of stretching, I didn't actually mention this, the proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation or PNF stretching, Oh my goodness, I actually didn't even talk about that. Okay, so PNF, uh, which is the proprio neuromuscular facilitation, combines passive stretching with iso- isometric stretching that we talked about and concentric muscle actions. So it'll utilize the Golgi tendon and everything like that, kind of like the other ballistic one as well, but this one is supposed to be the hold and relax The hold and relax with the muscle contraction, um, and everything like that. And it's not bouncy or anything like that. You do have pre-stretching, like a passive, like kind of warming up. Then you have passive stretch stretching, then kind of a contraction, muscle contraction with stretching to warm up and stretch the muscle at the same time, like using the antagonist muscle to, to help with that. Um, but with effective pnf you should have a partner a properly trained partner to help you uh with the contractions you'll have a trainer that'll tell you okay you're stretching and now you should contract here um, at this time when and everything like that so that's something um, that you're going to be that you may use um, and there's the data is inconclusive if PNF is better than the other methods that we talked about, dynamic or static stretching. So it could be just as good if if somebody is stretching you and you kind of you see that you're having passive stretching, then they tell you to contract a muscle after the stretch or during the stretch, things like that. Then you're going to be doing what you're doing is PNF and that's not bad for you. And um, like I just said, it. It's inconclusive whether it's better, but when we're talking about using PNF, right? Uh, the stretch should last three to six seconds for, with a light to moderate contraction. Um, so you're going to be looking at really low 20% of maximum voluntary contraction, uh, followed by 10 to 30 seconds of assisted stretch. If, You want to, that's actually optional, but that's something that'll probably happen if you use PNF. So the ACSM is saying to use PNF, um, if, if you want to, or static stretching, uh, to improve your flexibility. Uh, Dynamic stretching is, is definitely probably going to be in the mix here, but they, um, they just mentioned static stretching. So, um, so, yes, it does actually mention that. I'm I'm making sure I'm reading the right thing for you guys. Yeah, so static flexibility or dynamic flexibility um, and PNF are all each effective. Okay, so, but they're talking about static stretching, which is going to be uh, 10 to 30 seconds. It's something that you'll probably be doing at the gym or PNF. So, um, you're looking for a reasonable time for this entire thing is 60 seconds. For the entire total stretch time for each flexibility exercise. So, I do, like I said, always recommend to try to do flexibility before a workout warm up, stretch for a good minute or two. Um, if you're doing legs that day, you know, stretch all those joints a minute each, you know, um, and everything like that, all the muscles, get the quads, get the hamstrings, get the glutes, get the calves, all those things. So you're looking at a good, what if, if, if you're doing just those three muscle groups, you're looking at like a three minute stretch, right? Doing, let's say arms, you you got buys and tries and let's throw in shoulders. That's three minutes of, of flexibility, uh, training right there to increase your flexibility and keep you safe. So that's something that they say is, um, really good to do. Again, two to three days a week or daily is the most effective. Um, But yes, um, the flexibility is the most effective when the muscle is warmed through light to moderate activity. Um, So usually that's the the best way. Um, They even mention that you can warm up your muscles passively through uh, hot heat packs or hot baths that would be cool. What Like instead of running on the treadmill for a little bit, just go in the sauna and just warm up and go work out. That would be pretty cool. But I mean, you're kind of missing out on a little bit of cardio, you know, help take care of your heart. All that good stuff has a lot of benefits for your your heart and that entire system. So, I mean, that's pretty funny that they mentioned that. I remember in college that the professor mentioned that and she said the same. She's like, oh, it might as well just work out and, you know, and everything because hot baths and hot packs are not very common in gyms. But you know, that's apparently something you can do, which is pretty cool. Um but yeah, so that's the flexibility uh programming that you're gonna be doing. every day is recommended, uh 10 to 30 seconds for the static stretching. Um <clears throat> older adults 30 to 60 seconds. We're talking about older adults we're talking over 65 years by the way. Um, and then for the PNF that I just talked about, uh, three to six seconds of that light contraction with the 10 to 30 seconds of the assisted stretch, um, as well. So that's something, and a trained individual usually will do that PNF. If you're doing this by yourself, you're probably going to be doing dynamic or static stretching. And the dynamic is going to be about the same 10 to 30 seconds, um, uh, for static and dynamic stretching. So, you're, you're gonna be most likely doing those in the PNF because you gotta get a trained individual to do it that knows what they're doing, that's been trained to do it, and you may not wanna spend that time or money to figure out what that stretch even feels like, most likely. But at least I can speak about that here in America. Um, shout out to my people in Australia. I actually have quite a pe- few people listening to me in Australia, which is really interesting. I didn't even know that I would reach That end of the world (laughs) and Canada and everything. So I apologize if this is this information may be slightly different in your country because all of this is by the ACSM. And so it's the American college, but hopefully it's similar to what you guys have um, over there. So, you know, thank you guys for listening. It's really amazing. But, um, anyways, we've got that um, covered. What else am I talking about here? Um and then 60 seconds total for each um each flexibility exercise. Right, or each muscle group. Usually it's each exercise, right? You do a specific exercise for biceps, a specific exercise for triceps, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's that is what's going on there. So that really concludes this episode. Hopefully it's much more interesting again, um with what's going on inside the body. Now you know about the Golgi tendon organ and the muscle spindles that that has always been in your body this entire time. And anytime you get into a situation where you stretch weird or wrong, these things involuntarily save you. The muscle that's being strained, it relaxes and the antagonist muscle tries to contract to get you back to normal. Of course, definitely you can overpower that with some crazy injury or you know playing football let's say american football um or even soccer you know european football you definitely can get injured there and you you twist an ankle and your your these proprioceptors try their darndest to help you and they can't so that's how you get injured but it's cool to know that your body's got your back sometimes Um, but anyways that's that's it for today this is 30 minutes awesome and i will see you guys most likely next week with something else um hopefully just as interesting but other than that i'll see you guys on the next one